0: it. We took the third seat from the third row right away because Caleb Brett said that was his favorite seat so we removed it right off the bat just to make you sit somewhere else. This is set up for Rita. I think we've got about 30 or 35 more chairs in here. We also have a bigger up front. We're expecting youth to be in this area or young people or, you know, or old people to be here as well. If you uh, don't realize how good this is going to be next Sunday, <clears throat> there's nothing I can do for you. <laughs> it's going to be fantastic. Don't come alone. Bring somebody with you. Uh, it, it's it's going to be an amazing Sunday morning. We're going to worship the Lord for an hour and a half, bring shoes that you can stand up in. Because it's going to be long. And uh, it's going to be great. We're going to aggressively pursue God. We're not coming to see a show. We're coming to worship in such a way that we believe people are going to be healed. Things are going to be broken off. The pressure is going to be removed. Anxiety relieved. Bodies healed. There's all kind of things that we believe to be happening here. So, so, come. You got your Bibles open with me? The Romans chapter 13. I'm going to read in verse 11. <clears throat> I talked to uh, someone this week and kind of got a kickstart from this verse into what we're actually going into. I want to kind of just read this because I think it sets up Matthew chapter 7. So, if you've got your a finger, put put it uh, on Matthew chapter 7 as well. starts off like this, and do this, and do this. Anybody want to know what the will of God for them, we're about to read it. Paul writes to the church in Rome, and do this knowing that the time is now. That now is the high time to awake from your sleep For now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. This verse is talking about we we were at one time, we came to a knowledge of Jesus. We were saved. There was a moment in time, hopefully, that you gave your life to Christ and you came into the kingdom. You became a son or a daughter of God. But the truth of the matter is we are being saved from ourselves as we go. So we were saved. We're being saved and being transformed into the image of Christ. And then one day we're going to be like him. We're going to be with him. So we will be saved for eternity. And there won't be any sin. Your spouse will be absolutely perfect. (laughs) Like you've always wanted. And everybody said amen you won't have to be married to him any longer because there's no marriage in this. <laughs> that was free. The night is far spent and the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let's put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife or discord, disunity, not in envy, with that mess and put on, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision, make no predetermined plans for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Make no predetermined plans to fulfill the lust of the flesh. How many of you know that God is looking for a heart that wants to be aligned with him? God is looking for a heart that wants to line up. We sing these songs, but the truth of the matter is we're not very pliable sometimes. We can be hard sometimes. Would you agree? Is it just me or is it all of us that can sometimes be a little bit difficult with the Lord as as he wants to change us into his image? And so this is right here. He's saying predetermined in your mind. Don't think that you're going to cave in or make a way or make a plan that when you discover God's way that you're going to continue to do it your way. There's a predetermined thought process when we see ourselves as we really are that that we have to respond to what God says. And there's a predetermined mindset for that. Paul is writing when he writes to the church in Rome, don't have a predetermined mindset that you're going to keep doing things the way you have always do them because you like them. And God's way is hard. He said, "This is hard for me." Thing I, you know, that, you know, I hear you, and I know that that looks pretty good, but I kind of like things the way I got. You. That is making a predetermined decision that you're not going to change when you see. And Paul says, "Wake up!" From that condition, Of immovable, immovability, where you are stuck in your ways. Now let's turn to Matthew chapter 7. Now this is Jesus, and he's talking to his disciples, and, you know, there's just a long uh, part of Matthew where it's just Jesus talking. And They're up on the mountain, and they're about to go down, and the people are down there, and Jesus is ministering to his disciples, and he's telling them the secrets to living a successful Christian life. And there is one particular secret that he reveals in Matthew chapter 7 that I hope that we all get today. If you don't get anything else from this whole chapter which we're about to go over, and I'm going to teach verse by verse, and I don't have a note. And we're just going to go through it. I love doing what we're about to do. I want to break this thing down, and I want you to get the crux Of the message, go because it has everything to do with waking you up, with waking the church up, with waking us up as believers. Says this: "Judge not, that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you." Now, what he's talking about here really is another believer's condition. He's talking about make sure, make sure that your attitude toward other believers, when you see them in their stuck position, that you watch your attitude about their stuck position. This is what he's saying. Be careful because you're setting the same standard about your stuck position You're the one who sets up the measuring instead. And so we're seeing that our attitude towards others who aren't moving the way we think they should. Man, there's so much of that going on in the church. We see people all the time that are critical of other believers because they keep doing the same old stupid thing. And it might be true, but our attitude toward them is not good. And when we portray that type of attitude, then... What it does is set the standard for us. And he's saying right here, be careful how you judge, because that same measure will be measured back to you. God's going to hold you to that standard. And then he asks the question. And he's asking his disciples. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but not consider the plank in your own eye? Now, this is what I want you to see. I want you to take a pen that's right in front of you and hopefully you've got your Bible in front of you and I want you to underline but do not consider the plank in your own eye because what Jesus is doing here he's he's about to say he's telling you you know this is how you not only move personally in your spiritual walk with God but how you help others move you know A church is designed so that we can help each other grow in Christ, right? That's that's what it's about. It's it's about helping each other. And so he's not saying, listen, don't don't have sober judgment about your brother's condition. Just be careful about your attitude towards them because they've got a stake in their eye. Make sure that you consider the plank in your own eye. Now, for the rest of chapter 7, it's all built on this thing. And when you think about the plank, what you need to be thinking about is being able to assess your spiritual condition soberly. I've been talking about this for quite some time, and I'm going to hammer it home until we get really good at it. Being able to see where you are in Christ, to, to be able to submit yourself to the process of being redeemed and reconciled to God and and then shaped into his image. He's not saying in this passage of scripture, I don't want you to help other believers. He's not saying in this scripture, I don't want you to see the speck in somebody else's eye. What you're about to see, and what I want you to see in this scripture, is that he's about to say, listen, there is a process of transformation that I have for you. And what you've got to begin to do is understand the process of transformation. See that you've got a log in your own eye. Submit yourself to the process of that transformation so that when you see a speck in your brother's eye, you are prepared to help them be transformed. He he is not being negative about taking the speck out. He's being negative about your attitude towards somebody else when you're not dealing with your own stuff. And he's saying to you and me, submit to the process of being transformed from glory to glory to glory into my likeness. Get really, really good at it. Get really, really good at seeing yourself soberly like you really are. Not in condemnation, not in guilt, but in submission and a willingness to be transformed into the image of God. And take that same humble spirit to somebody else so that they can be transformed as well. Watch what he says. Verse 4. Can I say to you, brother, let let me remove the speck from your eye and, and look, there's a plank in your own eye. He says, You hypocrite. First, first, I'd circle first. First, remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly how to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Isn't that interesting? In other words, until you can deal with your own mess, don't be helping somebody else. Keep your mouth shut. Learn how to deal with your own stuff. And then he says, now be careful, and he's about to embark on it. I want you to see this. In verse 6, do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before the swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. In other words, Be careful how you deal with seeing the speck in other people's eyes. If they don't have the ability to hear, do not throw God's seed at them. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be directed by God. Now, so, so we've got this log in the pastor's eye, and you guys have got specks in yours. And the pastor has to learn how to take the log out of his own eye before he can help You take the speck out of yours. So he's going to deal with that here in just a minute when he talks about prophets. And and how you know a false prophet is not by their ministry and how successful their ministry is. How you tell a false prophet is a man who you're not seeing being transformed in front of your eyes. Because he's going to say that there's lots of ministry being done, but I never knew you. And the reason he never knew them is because the pastor, the prophet, had never submitted himself to the transformation process of taking the log out of an eye. And so my job, my number one job in this community of believers is to be transformed in front of your eyes. Correct? Amen. <laughs> Say hallelujah. hallelujah. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> it's really going to be good. Yes? And then he says, be careful how you how you try to help people because some people don't want help. And if they don't want help, what's going to happen is you're going to get hurt. And he's going to lead you. Now watch what happens next. Now, that's all set up. That's the setup. Now look what he says. He says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock. And it'll be open to you. There is a pathway for you to be healed. There's a pathway for you to get the log out of your own eye first, and that is to ask, to seek, and to knock. And when you ask and you seek and you knock, heaven's gonna be opened up over your circumstance. You're gonna be able to get the, the the log out of your eye. Now here's the here's the fun part, and when it goes back to the dogs and and, you know, and, and all the other things that he's listing there, the, the, the swine. When you ask, seeking and knock about somebody's speck, he's going to lead you and guide you into that as well. And he's going to lead you into all truth into that as well. And so you'll know when to say something. You'll know what to say. You'll know how to say it. He'll direct your path so that you can be successful in taking the speck out. But he will also say, keep your mouth shut, they're not ready. Keep your mouth shut, they're just why. And there might be somebody who claims to be a believer. It might be a family member. That you just need to go, hush. No, Time's not right. Ask, seek, and knock. Now watch. Keep going with me. Verse 8. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. What is it? It is kingdom. It is the solution. It is grace. It is the power of God to do what God wants to do in whatever circumstance you're asking and seeking and knocking about. He says, "I'll, I'll answer you. Who will he answer? Everybody who asks seeks, and knocks. Everybody who subjects themselves to the transformation process, look at the comparison. Or what man is there among you who, if he has a son, ask for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him, So one of the transformation, one of the thought processes that we need to have as believers is to understand that if we'll subject ourselves to the log pulling of the Holy Spirit, if we'll ask and we'll seek and if we'll not, then He's going to respond to us. He's going to deliver us. He's going to give us solutions because. He is comparing himself to an evil father and saying, even we give good gifts to our kids. How much more, when you ask, when you seek, when you knock, will he want to give you good things? We don't really, really believe, I think, as a church, and I mean the church in America, For the most part, we hope it's true, we think maybe it's true, we think all these things, but we don't necessarily buy in to the promises or the thought that God is a good God that wants good for you. He he wants great things for you. He's a good father. And he wants every situation to work out good for you. We need to just say that out loud. Let's say it. God the Father. Say it. God, God the Father wants every, situation wants every situation to work out good, to work out good for me. The devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But God comes to give life and give it to you abundantly. He says he takes all things and works them together, together for Amen. for those who love God and are called according to Amen. His Amen. purpose. Yes. All things. Yes. He's good. Your hands mm-hmm. Father, I really want to believe. Help my little boy. You're good. No lie can convince me that you have evil. Good. And because you submitted yourself to the log pulling surgery, he says this. Therefore, because this is true, whatever you want men to do to you, that's how you should do to them. Again, you're setting precedent. Really, need to understand this truth. If you want friends, be a friend. If you want to be honored, honor. You want to be respected, respect. You want to be loved, love. Do the people as you want them to do to you. He says that all the law and the prophet hinge on that truth enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are many who go by. In other words, when he's talking about this, he's talking about the inability or the unwillingness to submit to the log surgery. There's a narrow way, and that way is to submit to the transforming grace of God in your life. And very few are willing to do that because they like what they like when they like it. They want what they want when they want it. They get comfortable in their dysfunction and they refuse to move. They are... Uh, there's a mentality that they are a victim or that there is no hope. They, 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 we get stuck in who we are and God says you got to get unstuck, because there's a narrow way, and that's unstuckness. <laughs> the narrow way is you can't be stuck anymore. The narrow way is you've got to begin to move. The narrow way is you've got to allow God to first show you, give you revelation of your condition, have sober judgment of that, and begin the process. Because you're needed in the whole church. The whole church needs you to submit to the process. Because if you don't submit to the process... You can't help a brother get the speck out of his all now. Because you've got to show him the way. You've got to walk the way. How many of you know that you can't leave somewhere you've never been? Would you want to go on an, a, 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 an outdoor, adventurous, wilderness expedition with somebody that's never gone to that place? Or would you rather go with a guy that's done it a hundred times? Wouldn't you rather follow a Christian believer who's been transformed a hundred times than somebody who looks like they're stuck in their own sin. God is looking for people who will do that. He says, narrow is the way, wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are many who go by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way that leads to life. And there are few who will find it. That's through Jesus. It's through the submission of Jesus' transforming power in our life. Then he says this, Beware of false prophets who come to you, in, in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And he's going to talk about fruit. Is this is what I want you to see: the difference in a big ministry and actually character of Christ. You will know them by their fruits, not the fruit of their ministry, but the fruit of their character, yeah. the fruit of their personhood, who they are. Are they are are they subjecting themselves to the transforming power? of God. Or did they just go to seminary and studied well and know the word and aren't men transformed? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit. You ought to be able to see the fruit of God transforming them in their life. But bad trees bear bad fruit. And a good tree cannot bear bad fruit nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into its fire. Talking about the separation of believers and unbelievers. Therefore by their fruit you'll know them. Then he goes on and says, not everyone who says to me, "Lord, Lord," shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but who will enter? He who does the will of my Father in heaven. He who submits himself to the transformation process. He's going back to the log pulling. Say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, hadn't we hadn't we had this great ministry? Don't you see this great ministry? We prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. And we did wonders in your name. And he says to them, Depart from me, for I never knew you. You see, the Word of God is going to do its work whether you're saved or not saved. Yes. The Word of God is going to go forth whether you have relationship with Him or not. It's not you doing anything. It's not me doing anything. It's the Word of God that goes forth that does all the work. So how do you know? You know a pastor or a prophet or whoever the leader is, whoever the Christian is, Whether they are bearing good fruit based on whether they're submitting themselves to the log pulling. Whether they are are subjecting themselves to be transformed into the image of Christ. Therefore, Jesus says, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. (laughs) This is so good. Anybody who sees themselves soberly gets revelation of my word and my character, my nature, who I am. When I reveal myself to them and they submit themselves to the process, they begin to build their life on the. likened him to a wise man. He built his house on the rock. And the rains descended, and the storms came, and all of hellish forces came at them, but they were immovable. They were immovable because they were being transformed into the image of Christ. They were immovable because they were building their life on the Word. Floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall. For it was founded on the truth of Jesus. But everyone who hears these things of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house. Said, wow, he just was such a thought. But I want you to go to verse, chapter 8. Did you see the first thing. He comes down off the hills teaching his disciples, and then there's his lapper there. And the lapper said to God, he came to worship Jesus, and he said, Lord, are you willing to make me clean? And Jesus put out his hand, and he touched, not supposed to do. And he said, I am willing to be cleansed of. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed and Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. I just want you to see this real quickly. So oftentimes we think to ourselves, why in the world would Jesus say don't go tell anybody? Because he had already established in the word of God. That you are to go to the priest. is part of this healing process that happens. It's subjecting yourself not only to authority, but to the word of God that's already been given. And so he says to him, listen, don't go blabbing to everybody else. Cause the, the healing process is not complete. You have to align yourself and put yourself underneath the word of God. Underneath the authority that I've already created. And once you've done that, have at it. But make sure you finish what I started. Make sure you do everything that was commanded you. Make sure you subject yourself to everything that he started. Now let's go back to Romans chapter 13. God started to work in you. When you came to Jesus when you were maybe 8 or maybe it was when you were 30. I don't know. But he started to work in you and he's not done with you. Don't go blabbing and acting like he is finished. Don't have an attitude like you've arrived. The process isn't over yet. Subject yourself to the full process of the redeeming, justifying, grace-filled power of God. To reveal his glory to the world through you. You are his glory. You have the ability to walk in the nature and the character of God. But not without pulling the plate out of your eye. Not without subjecting yourself to the process. So if you want to know what the will of God for you is, it's to have revelation, to have sober judgment of your condition, and to submit to the process that he's established for you. Well, let me tell you something. Try to do that with an absence of intentionality, and you will fail only way to do it is to be as determined as the leper was to make sure that the first thing you do is what God says to do. Yeah. So often we get revelation from God and we go tell everybody about it but we never do what God told us to do in the revelation. We get a prophetic word and we're excited that God gave us a prophetic word and I am too. But we never do what God told us to do in the and it never has the ability to actually do the thing that it did because we aren't following it through to the finish. We aren't subjecting ourselves to the process that God wants us to do. But the biggest thing that we've got to remember is that we've got to maintain an attitude that the people, look to the person to the left and to the right. Look to them. Look, look. Some, some people are on the end. Danny, Danny, I'm watching you. Those are really screwed up people that are sitting beside (laughs) me. Well, they're sons and daughters of God, right? And we're all in process, right? And so we need to have patience with one another, honor one another, right? Submit to the process so that we can help each other become the fullness of God. Right? That's called... If a church's mission is to do anything but make big people, if it's to become a big church, then they are missing the mark. Because the New Testament church (coughs) is designed to make big people. And big people, if they grow big churches, that's a great thing. But the ministry of God is to grow big people. So I'm challenged about my attitude for people who call themselves Christians and don't act like it. Because I'm setting a standard up for myself that I have to adhere to what, you know, God is I'm setting that up for God for me. Man, I don't want to have it so I need to be reminded of that. I need to be reminded that I've got all this stuff that he wants to do to me. And if I submit to that process and not worry about these other people, maybe I can help them get a speck out of their eye because God's going to give me revelation when I I ask and I seek and I know. But he will lead and guide me so that he can do good things. I don't mean on Facebook, I don't see this. I don't see this heart a lot from the church. I see it in Scripture. I don't see it on the church. I don't see it in a lot of ministries. But I've got to be careful how I judge in the ministry. Because I'm set the precedent on how I'll be judged. Isn't that interesting how all that works? This is real life stuff. This is not just Bible stuff. This is this is God's way of being communicated to us. It's a conversation with God. It's going to be like this. I want to do it. Maybe you've got somebody in your life that you haven't done a very good job with this. Maybe the Lord can bring you to mind somebody that you just just you know felt like they needed to be ripped a new one and. And, and, you, and you thought you, you, you volunteered for the task. <laughs> Maybe you've got somebody like that in your mind. Maybe you've got a family member you just got fed up with and you just told them what you thought. Maybe you have got a family member that doesn't have ears to hear or eyes to see, and you've been casting your pearl among swine because you haven't been submitting to the transformation process, you really haven't been asking, seeking, and knocking for the solution that God has for you so that you can be the seed that actually brings the ability for whatever's got a hold of them to be broken. You know, God knows what needs to break in them. And maybe you'll just have the words for it if you'll just keep your mouth shut until he releases you to say whatever he wants you to say. There's so much in that. It is the asking, seeking, and mocking, and submitting yourself to the process so that you can take the plank out of your eye, see the speck in your brothers, and show him the way. Many of you need help for that. Would you just raise your hand with me? I <laughs> too. Okay, good. I'm glad, I'm glad I just didn't get smashed with conviction by myself. Thank you, <laughs> Lord, for smashing everybody else. How many of you know people who really need Jesus? How many people, how many of you can think of like five by name right now? You know, just it's just there. Let's just take just a minute. And, and let's Let's pray for them. Let's just call their name out. Let's just call their name. Let's pray together. Just call their name. Let's just say, Lord, Father, I just pray for And you name the names. Father, we just pray right now for these people. Name the names. Just call their name out before heaven. Father, I thank you that they're going to come to a saving knowledge of you. I thank you, God, that they're going to get revelation from you. I thank you, Lord Jesus that they are going to have eyes to see and ears to hear. I thank you, God, as I seek you, as I ask, as I knock, God, that you're going to give me revelation of how to minister to those people. And the power of the Spirit, with no predetermined idea of acting out in the flesh. Father, I just pray that we would get great. Our prayer team is going to be up front. If you want prayer about anything, you need healing, or if you want to pray for somebody that needs salvation or needs a touch from God, join with them, agree with them. Let's pray. God bless you. Bring somebody with you next week. You better be here early. That's all I'm saying. God bless you.